My name's Johnny Summers, and I like the finer things in life. I'm talking delicious ice-cold beer. I'm talking nice wine, appetizers, friends, patio, dogs even sometimes. Yeah, I'm talking about the Handlebar. 2070 East 20th Street. They've got delicious food, an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. We're going to get money off of any one of their draft beers, which there are a ton of. You're also going to get half off bottles of wine. There is no reason to not get down there. Again, that's the Handlebar at 2070 East 20th Street, right here in Chico. Go check them out. Tell them Fresh Ops Cinema sent you. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and a radio show based in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. This week on the show, our review of The Menu. It's a dark comedy slash thriller from director Mark Mylod, starring Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Nicholas Holt, about a group of VIP guests having dinner on a private island at one of the most exclusive restaurants in the world. You can use our upcoming spoiler-free discussion to decide whether or not you want to see it. But first, Johnny, what are we drinking this week? We are drinking two beers, and they are both from a brewery called Brew Built, and they are out of Grass Valley, California. Jester's Privilege IPA is the first beer, and Brain Bypass is the second beer, and that is a Hell's Lager. First-timers on the show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, first time I've ever even seen them. Okay, great, because I, I, I know I hadn't had their stuff personally, and I'm glad because I was going to ask you if you had, but great. Uh, newbies for both of us. If you are listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of the menu. But if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for the menu, a second beer review, and the always titillating segment dubbed Hot and Bothered, Johnny will tell you what to do. Yeah, you're going to go search for the Fresh Hop Cinema podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them. Uh, we release new podcasts every Friday morning at 7 a.m. and have been doing so since 2016. Uh, if you like the show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and or review on Apple Podcasts and let us know you did so we can send you some goodies. Uh, to hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped. Or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Right. The only website that is slightly cooler than ours is patreon.com slash freshhopcinema, which is how you can support our show with your hard-earned cash. You can give us a dollar or three or five or ten per episode. And in return, Johnny, what do we do in return? Give me, give me some perks. Man, you get first shot at, at uh, merch runs. Mm -hmm. We've been doing some pretty rad events this year. Bar hangs, barbecues, backyard bottle shares, movie nights, virtual movie watch-alongs. Uh, and that's just the in-person stuff. The real fun is our whole back catalog that you'll immediately have access to of bonus episodes that we crank out. Mm-hmm. Almost every week. Almost. Pretty good. Sure. Almost. I'm going to give us a strong almost. But yeah, going back years, there mm -hmm. are literally hours and hours and hours of content for you to get into where we cover everything from movie making to beer making to some just bonus beer reviews to bonus movie reviews, uh, interviews with patrons that have been on Patreon. Oh, sure. Yeah. It just, you know, it's endless entertainment. So if you want more of Max and more of me, you should check out Patreon. It's pretty rad. Again, that's patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Johnny, our housekeeping is out of the way. Um, I've pulled something off of the website from Brewbilt. Would you tell the folks what uh, kind of what the deal is with the brewery? 
Yeah, from their website, we read, Our brewery is located in Northern California's Sierra Nevada foothills. We offer our own lineup of craft beers as well as private label and contracting brewing services. Brewbelt Brewing grew out of Brewbelt Manufacturing Incorporated, an iconic company that has been handcrafting custom brew houses, tanks, and accessories since 2014. We pride ourselves on brewing the beers that we love to drink and like our tastes, this is always evolving. Love it. Okay, so beer number one is an IPA. I'm very excited because I have poured it into my glass, and it smells great. I'm going to point out the one thing we don't have on our Google Doc, which is the fact that this was canned on November 4th, so we're drinking this about three weeks since it was canned. Um, yeah. But tell people what we're even drinking, dude. Yeah, so this first beer is called Jester's Privilege. Again, it's out of Brew Built Brewing Company from Grass Valley. Very, very local to us. Uh, that's about a 30 to 45 yeah. minute drive just yeah. down the road. Uh, they is listed on t- untapped as an American IPA. It is 6.7% ABV with mm-hmm. no IBUs available. And from their website, we read the ability and right of jesters to talk and mock freely without being punished for nothing. They say seems to matter amid all the amusements. This West coast IPA's lush aromas of strawberry, honeydew and pineapple are no joke. Uh, this beer features uh, Magnum, Comet, Huel, Melon, Eldorado, and Citra hops. Okay. Um, have you poured yours into the glass yet? Yes. Okay. Have you tried it yet? I have not. Okay. Uh, you taste that because I it's a very, very um, outspoken beer. I'll say that. Uh, very much a West Coast IPA. When you said there's no IBUs listed, just to clarify for anybody that didn't assume, that just means there weren't any listed on untapped. It is not to suggest this beer has no bitterness because it sure does. But- it's not just like a bitter West Coast IPA. It's super fruity, which is why I want to know what you think, because I think you might, I don't know, I think you might not like it, but I also think you could love it. Hmm. No, it's it's really fruity and juicy. Was not expecting that. It's mm-hmm. almost got like a, a fruit juice tang to yeah. it. Like that pineapple tang is like, so many times IPAs say pineapple notes, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Like you never get pineapple in an mm-hmm. IPA unless it's an adjunct, but I could believe it with this. There's a subtle juicy tanginess that is very very adjacent to a pineapple not getting a ton of strawberry and the honeydew melon is just kind of a blanket statement for kind of a hoppy malty sweetness um but this beer is shockingly good Uh, i say shocking because there's so many breweries in the world and they all just keep popping up and it's nice to be surprised by something fairly like hyper local um and this is a this is a nice drinking IPA. I'm super not mad at it. Yeah, man. I, so when we talked about this brewery, when you read that moments ago, um, it said that the brew built manufacturing has been making sort of brewing equipment since 2014. What I didn't know, and maybe we can look it up, is how long they've actually been making beer, because it seems unlikely that they've gone you know since 2014 and not made it on our radar, being as close to Chico as they are. Um, which is so. My guess is that this is a new ish brewery which makes me all the more impressed that this is as good as it is. Cause I dig this too. I do get strawberries. I think this is super fruity. Um, and there's enough hop bitterness, especially towards the end to balance it out from becoming like too cloying or too sweet. Um, I think it's super well balanced in terms of the body. 6.7% right up the middle of the sweet spot for me. Um, really easy drinking. Um, it, it might be skewing a little sweet. I've only had about two drinks, but, um, I really, really a fan of it off the, off the bat. Yeah. Just first initial impressions is, this is really damn good. Uh, it's it's balanced. It's not overly sweet for me because there's enough of like the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a real dry bitterness that kind of finishes it. It's like very distinctly West Coast IPA on the finish, which kind of like helps your palate forget that there was some sweeter 
fruit juicy notes on the on the yeah. front, but yeah. I'm not mad at those. I'm never mad at those. It's when when they're used sparingly, mm-hmm. like when that's balanced out by a decent bitterness. It's when it's just too juicy and over the top and sweet, and that's like the predominant element. That's yeah. when I find myself disliking IPAs, and that's usually East Coast, but some West Coast IPAs kind of get into that category too. 100%. But but no, this one, I think it strikes a, a very nice balance. It's easy drinking. It's not like thick on the palate. Uh, it's refreshing. I think I might really like this beer. Yeah, man. I can I because we're gonna struggle to find negatives. I bet about it, at least in terms of what's in the can. But I'm gonna say I don't like the label. Yeah. I don't. I don't like it. Doesn't do it for me. It looks. Um. It looks like it's gonna taste boring. It's a boring label, which I mean, if you look at it piece by piece, it's not like Jester's Privilege is written in a really fun font and there's fun little geometric stuff. But as a whole, I don't like it. I think I just wanted to find one negative about this beer, and that might be it for me. <laughs> It was definitely not the most <laughs> no. eye-catching, for sure. Uh, they do look better if when they're all on a shelf next to each other. Yeah, because there's some because consistency. Because the logo, like there's like the geometric patterns on the logo. That whole area is kind of a different mm-hmm. um, design for each of their beers. And like just looking at their website, seeing their four flagship beers all next to each other, they have a really cohesive and kind of, you know, there's unique design elements to each of them, different fonts and different color schemes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this can didn't blow me out of the water, but I think overall they've got a pretty decent aesthetic. And yeah. my God, there's some terrible beer labels out there. So this is by far not the worst one I've seen. Where'd you find this? This was at Spikes. It was Spikes super, super surprised. It had just come in. I mean, it must this, have. It's such a fresh beer. Like it must have just yeah, the shelf like like three like weeks week. old. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, when I bought this, I had no idea it was even made in Grass Valley. There's mm-hmm. just, there's this window of, of beer, you know, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? There's a checklist I go down when we're looking for beers. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously it's got to be interesting to me. We don't do this to drink beers we're not into, right? So sure. like, it's got to be something I'm going to want to drink anyway. How do you mean? Do you mean stylistically or like can design wise? Because I feel like you uh, talked about that like before. Stylistically wise, like beer, you know, I'm, I'm, I get to pick out the beers for the show. I try and keep it diverse, but also like it has to get me excited to drink it. So for it to be an IPA, I checked the canning date, mm-hmm. which I passed on a few different beers today yeah. or yesterday when I bought beers because they didn't have canning dates. So shout out, Brew Belt. You're doing yeah. right. Because we might be missing some some golden shining stars out there in the world. Mm-hmm. But if you don't put a canning date on the bottom, I'm not going to spend the money on an IPA that's a risk. Well, that's what happened with Lead, um, with lead Dog last week when we did um, our second beer in particular. We I don't think we saw a canning date, but we both concluded that it had to be old because it was so objectively, I think, pretty terrible. Yeah, it was and that's rough. the rest. We don't want to do that every week. So yeah, I'm with you. Like pick a pick a beer you know is fresh. Every once in a while, I'll take a risk on the show, and nine times out of ten, it really doesn't pay off. So, yeah. but yeah, for this to be a brand I've never seen, and the canning date to be so fresh, and then now totally not even knowing until we sat down that this was from Grass Valley, um, it fits like the perfect criteria to do on the show. So. I'm I'm into it. Uh, I am kind of pleasantly surprised at this beer. You, I'd say you seem more than kind of. You seem extremely pleasantly surprised. Um, let me ask one more thing because I can't see this. M- mine's kind of smudged on the bottom of my can, and this doesn't really factor into the um, drinking experience. But what does it say? I see apex of the something. Apex of the vortex. A vortex. Okay. I don't. I have a, maybe a V, but okay, great. Uh, I'd like to know what that's about. If anybody at Brewbuilt is hearing this, please reach out because I want to know why. Why that? I'm always interested yeah. in that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, well. Can criticism aside, is there anything about the beer you don't like? 
I not really, man. I think it's it's really well made. It's pretty dang solid. I can't find much that I dislike about it. My only thing is the sweetness that does come in at the end. Um, it doesn't quite get balanced out by the bitterness. It's almost there. Um, but for me, it's just a little bit too sweet still by the end. But I, I think it's a super terrific beer. That's fair. I think I might just be in the mood for a beer like this. Maybe. Because n- normally that might be a gripe of mine. But mm-hmm. no, I think this is drinking quite nice. All right, well, let's give it out of 10, shall you, we? You, you caught me at the end of a perfect, long day, yeah. Brew Belt. Yeah, dude. You got Johnny in a good mood over here. Watch out. Okay, um, yeah, where out you of, at? Out of, dude, out of 10, this IPA is like a solid 8.1. 8.1, all right, dude. I was expecting higher, to be honest. I was expecting you to go in the nines. Well, the sample size of IPAs in, in the world in my existence is so large. You have to really be outstanding and like really blow my socks off to get like over an 8.5. Eight over eight five is godlike beers mm-hmm. for me. So this is this is just shy of godlike. But this is I would get in the car and drive 20, 30 minutes to get this. What like, a coincidence. This brewery is officially on my radar, is yeah. somewhere yeah. I want to go. I like Grass Valley. I'm in that area fairly often in the summer for camping and stuff. So might have to pick up some of this and take it out to the cabin with me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, for me it's an eight. Super good. Uh like I said, the sweetness is is not my favorite thing right at the end. It's good in the beginning. It's a little bit too overpowering by the end but still a super, super solid beer. Um, again, it's Jester's Privilege. It's at Spike's Bottle Shop and probably other places around Chico and places between Grass Valley and Chico and, and probably beyond. But once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, and if you get a chance to try this beer, let us know. The easiest way to do that is probably to take a photo of yourself drinking it and tag us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. That's it. Do you think we got this beer wrong? Do you think we got it right? Do you have a beer or a brewery that you think we should review? Uh, like you, sir, on Instagram, I saw you message us. We got a fan submitting some beers for review in the did next we? week or two. So that's exciting. It's oh, fun. Yeah, a fan actually from Chico that did the artwork for the label. So that's a sneak, sneak preview of things cool. to come. But that's the cool stuff that can happen if you message us on Instagram or send us an email to fhccast at gmail.com and let us know because we listen and we read those things. And hey, if you like the show, go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. It takes two seconds and it helps people like you find people like us. Up next, we have a trailer for this week's movie, The Menu. But do not worry, there are no menu spoilers in the next segment. Is that going to fit everyone? Yeah, easily. 12 customers total. How do they turn a profit? Twelve fifty a head, that's how. What are we eating, a Rolex? It's one of his classics. You have to try the mouthfeel of the mignonette. Please don't say mouthfeel. Tonight will be madness. Welcome. We'll endeavor to make your evening as pleasant as possible. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. We harvest, we ferment, we gel. They gel? We gel. He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. Who are you? I am Margo. Why do you care? I have to know if you're with us with them this menu the pictures they're of us this guest list how do they get these it's not good this entire evening this is just theater it's stagecraft we're leaving now has been painstakingly planned 
is real, isn't it? What the hell is going on? We now offer you a 45-second head start. <laughs> okay, 45 seconds starts now. This is what you're paying for. Get out of my way. It's all part of the menu. It's okay. No, we're going to die today. Yes, we are. Yeah. Uh, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half hour of our show on the radio today, and it's a lot longer than that. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found. It, it will be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough and you want the rest, go have a listen. What you just heard was a trailer for this week's movie, The Menu. Director Mark Mylod's The Menu stars Rafe Fiennes as Julian Slowick, the head chef of Hawthorne Restaurant, an esteemed and highly exclusive restaurant in the middle of a private island. For the price of $12.50 per person, guests will be treated to an evening of unparalleled cuisine crafted by Chef Slowick and his entire crew of sous chefs with ingredients sourced solely from the island itself. Aboard the ship going to this island are, amongst others, Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt, who play Margot and Tyler, an avid foodie, and his date, who he has invited along, despite her clear lack of interest in the entire affair. After the guests arrive, dinner is served in several courses, each accompanied by a thematic monologue from Chef Slowick, and each slightly more sinister than the last. As the evening wears on, the guests begin to realize this isn't their average dinner. Johnny Summers, uh, we were both pretty jazzed for this for a long time, mm -hmm. right? Um... Let's just get into it. What did you think of the menu? Wow, man, this movie was a mouthful. Hell, there's right. going to be so right. many puns. Sure. I can't. I'm just gonna. Right. I'm not sorry. You know, this was a, as a film dripping in satire and commentary and metaphor. It was a very, very, very dark comedy. Uh, but I think at the core of this movie is comedy. But it is yep. coupled with. Uh, a parabolic usage of metaphor. There was so much going on, you know, and there, even with every single patron of this private dining experience, there was, you know, archetypes of humanity being mm. thrown around. So, I mean, this movie really played almost, you know, like a painting with these archetypes interacting and their actions and consequences being thrown at them. It was very funny. I really enjoyed Anya Taylor joy uh, as Margot Mills in this. Uh, Rafe Fines is, he's a powerhouse man. Sure. Like at the first moment he was on screen, I was just like, this dude's intense. Just a look from him. Like yeah. I totally bought him as a head chef type eccentric type character. And you know, Nicholas Holt was way too into it. Yeah. And he played that to a T. Um, there was some good performances. There were some, you know, tertiary characters like Jean Leguizamo was in there and, mm -hmm. um, they, they mattered a bit less. I mean, they weren't the focal point of the movie or the, you know, all of the things going on. But overall, I thought it was pretty thought provoking, which if a dark comedy can do that, I think it accomplishes something. Uh, it had a lot to say. And a lot of times it was not subtle in saying it. Uh, I don't think it was a very hard to read piece of art. It's not like there's a lot of depth to what they were saying. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you can handle being kind of spoon fed a lot of, of metaphor and uh, and things like that, personally, this movie worked for me. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm super curious to see 
how you felt about it though. Okay. Before I tell you my thoughts, give me an out of 10. Out of 10 for me, this was like a eight, seven. Good Lord. That's so much higher than mine. Two weeks in a row. We're going to do this. Okay. Fine. Oh man. Look, I was jazzed for it too. I think a lot of the things, a lot of the pros that you are talking about, I agree with. Ray Fiennes is awesome. Anya Taylor, most of the people in here are awesome. Like most of the main players, which are the three that we've listed. Um, I'd shout out Hong Chao also, who is kind of like, what is her job there? She's like, she's not part of she's the, the cooking she, crew. She's like the no, she's the maitre d of the dining room. So yeah, she's like in charge of greeting people. Also, so she she's she's she does a great job. I think um, mm-hmm. this it's a cool premise for a movie. There's I don't think there's a lot to work with here thematically, and this isn't a super long movie. It's it's about an hour forty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it still it felt like a long hour forty to me. It's it's one of those movies that you're slowly trying to piece together, like why, like it's clear these people have kind of been assembled for a larger plan. And I don't think that's giving too much away. Also, to say that, like Ray Fiennes as the chef is is his whole goal for the evening is to like create his masterpiece of a menu, and these people all play a role. And we're sure enough going to be figuring out what those roles are and why they are part of this. So you spend a lot of time trying to figure it out, but I think that energy is wasted on characters that don't really have much depth to them. Like there's there's a couple who are just food critics, and then there's like an old married couple that's been coming there for a while, and it all feels very fillery to me. Um, See, I think okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I got thoughts, but go okay. Ahead. So like that that stuff was fine. Like I think it has to be there to establish what the movie's trying to say. But ultimately, it's a movie about commentary about classism, essentially, and it's done up in a very horror-y, but also black comedy kind of way. And a lot of that stuff works, but um, most of it didn't. I think it's a fun idea that was dragged out far too long. Um, and once we've discovered you and I, and we will tell listeners now, um, Mark Mylod has historically done mostly television. And I think this would have been great as like a, like a TV hour kind of special rather than, in a, you know, a hundred hundred minute movie. So I think okay. it was okay, man. It was below average for me. Um, it was about a four for me. Okay. Tell me about your thoughts while we have time for our radio listeners. Well, I mean, I think um, the depth of character that like Anya Taylor-Joy was given is a lot shallower in this movie than other things that we've seen her in. Sure. Uh, And she's just proving that she is kind of a tour de force in any role and she can just crush anything. So she's one of those uh, people that I will watch anything Mm -hmm. that they're doing in the Mm -hmm. foreseeable future because she is by far the shining, shining star of this movie. I think she was the highest point and I enjoyed watching her on film. You think more than Ray Fiennes? You think she kind of outshone him? Uh, I don't know. I think she's just got such a charisma about her. I don't know. I feel like I bought her character more than his because I don't know. Hers was a bit more identifiable as like an every person type character, whereas he was this completely overly exaggerated head chef. Think like uh, Gordon Ramsay on LSD and methamphetamine. Do you know who who he reminded me of is is this, you know, the scene from Pig when Nick Cage Mm -hmm. is talking to that one chef who always wanted to start like a legit pub, but instead started that like fancy whatever thing in Portland. Mm -hmm. And when Nick Cage gives him that speech, he's like, we only have a few. What does he say? We don't get many things in life to love. Like mm-hmm. it's if that chef took that to heart and went and started this restaurant. Right. And then just took it way, too, way far. too far. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like we should talk more about um, Anya Taylor-Joy's character. Um, we can't give away too much, but she, she's there kind of accidentally. She's there yeah. as the date of Nicholas Holt. And it's not clear what their relationship is um, in the beginning. Like there's, there's some pretty intentional ambiguity. Like they're, I don't, you don't know if they're like dating or if, if they're like married or they just met kind of thing. 
But the important thing is we find out pretty early on she has replaced somebody else who is going to go, and he called her as kind of a backup date. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. What else do we need to say about her character to kind of get to your point? Because she is the most relatable one by far. And how can we talk about why that is without spoiling too much? Well, she's definitely not a foodie. And like no. this whole event, I mean, $1,250 a plate. You're talking about people that take food, dare I say, a bit too seriously. It's bad. Uh, you know, the height of exclusivity and like this is, you know, attempting to be beyond a star rating. Like they're going for the best food in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her character is totally the, the antithesis of all that. Like she just does not really care about she likes food because she's hungry it's not like yeah right you know she, so she doesn't really get it and i think having someone that doesn't fit into that obviously is going to endear the audience who by and large is not going to have you know high like i don't have four and five like the crazy amount of food knowledge that some of these people had and like yeah. you know i haven't eaten at the three and four i don't is there a four star michelin i don't know <sighs> maybe I don't yeah, think she's, I've ever been someplace with one. No, she's she's the audience conduit for like the average Joe. Like, not only is she not interested, I think she kind of actively despises the 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 snootery that's going yeah. on. Like, yeah, who, who's she the like sniffs character? out the pretense. Yeah, it's it's the it's the two critics, right? Like, they are they're the most egregious and laughable kind of turned up to eleven versions of real people, don't you think? Or is, is there somebody that I'm that I'm overlooking? Oh, a hundred percent. Those were like the most caricature of caricatures of food critics, right? Like, it's like they're the they're the definition of food snobbery. Yeah, there, I think there's a scene. I'm not sure if it's going to be in the trailer that we put before our discussion here, but there's a scene where they're talking to each other and, and they're looking at a plate and they're like they just go like we're oh like like a light shines from the heaven they're like we're we're eating the ocean as this yeah. huge it's so annoying and I think yeah. this is that's where the movie is good is that nobody is under the impression that those people aren't annoying but we're like it's so it's not a deep message but the fact that we get to laugh at that I think is super fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you think this movie took itself too seriously, or did you think that there was enough, you know, of that dark comedy that still shined through as comedy to make this kind of work? The key to this film partially working for me is the fact that it is having so much fun, but you have to, or 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 at least I did. I took this away as as one of the main um, important notes here. Is you have to kind of not root for the head chef and, and Margo at the same time, but you definitely have to empathize with him to some extent. And the way that Rafe Fiennes plays, particularly the last maybe 20, 30 minutes, I think sells his performance the most. And it keeps that movie, it keeps this movie from, I think being probably trash because the ending really has to stick to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it takes itself too seriously until it needs to. And those emotional beats work for me. Good. I, I would agree with that. And yeah, I think his, the real crescendo of his character and his acting in this movie, I agree, was in that third act. Yeah. Um, at the time. same time, you're right. When he comes on screen and we hear him clap for the first time and like everyone in the back is like, yes, chef. Like that, he's a very, he's a very strong presence for sure. So I, I buy that as well. Yeah, totally. I think he was a really good casting choice for this movie. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. It was a weird cross between like Voldemort and, um, the concierge in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Like he has that kind of <laughs> command of, of you know, of uh, people, um, but yeah. it's way more menacing. And I, maybe he's played more menacing roles than Voldemort, though I can't imagine that's that's true. Uh, but maybe. Oh, Schindler's List. He's like, you know, in Schindler's List. He's like, I don't yeah. want to make that comparison. We'll stick with Voldemort. But he can play. He can play an intimidating, creepy guy if he wants to. Absolutely. Massive, massive presence. Uh, what's the most you've ever paid for a meal? 
Um, I don't know, man. Um, I don't know, like, like three hundred bucks, maybe. Like for just you? Maybe two, maybe two. Yeah, something like that. Okay, it was you know special occasions kind of stuff, but um, yeah. What What about you? Like per person? Yeah. Like maybe two hundred bucks a person. Yeah, that's. I mean, and then that's. Like, you're not just going to a di- like, we're not talking about just going and eating for three hours at a diner. Like, this is you're going to have an experience. And I, I don't really, I don't know, almost never am I like, this was this was worth that money just because of the food, but it's it's mostly the experience. And I like that they tackle that a little bit. Like, if you're gonna spend 1250 bucks for an experience, like you, I'm gonna go to a private island and like, like I right. want the chef to tell me everything. Like, oh, I want all those speeches, it's great, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. Yeah, the, those those events are always exciting because it's like you're you're just going so much above and beyond personally what like what you normally do. Like I like good food. Most of the time when I spend money on food eating out in a large scale way, it's usually like sushi. Oh, sure. Because that's that's something that's kind of a luxury and it's just it's not cheap, but like if you can sit at the sushi bar and talk to the chef about what he's making and you Let's know order Benihana, man. Order omakase where they can just make whatever they want. Yeah. You know, that's always exciting. And you get a little taste of that when you do that, where it's, you know, this is where these ingredients came from. This is yes. why I'm putting this together. Yep. This is what this means to me. This is what this reminds me of. I think there's a certain um, elegance and really endearing quality in food when it can be married with a chef's, like, personal experiences. So I totally get, like, the idea of that. It was fascinating to see that turned up to 11 and i think i would call this like a like a dark horror like a horror comedy maybe it's not scary enough to be a horror movie though i don't think but it's like i don't know it 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 checks a lot of the marks you know of being a horror movie and we can get into that more in our next segment because what i would say would be a little bit spoilery but i don't know i think there's some movies that we've watched that this would be comparatively similar to is in like the horror genre yeah we clearly have a lot more to talk about here but once again you've been listening to fresh hop cinema possibly on kzfr 90.1 fm the menu is currently in a theater near you if you see it and you have thoughts of your own you can reach us on instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema or you can send us an email to fhccast at gmail.com to our radio listeners thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next and every thursday at 5 30 p.m on kzfr 90.1 fm oh but wait The show is far from over. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for the menu, a review of that second beer from Brew Built, and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your favorite podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Zone of Danger. We're talking about the menu. If you haven't seen it, we are about to spoil it, so you've been warned. Johnny, this is a movie where almost everybody dies. Yep. Does that make you happy? Yep. Okay. Um, I would have been more happy if she didn't get away. Yeah, it felt almost cheap. Almost. Though I do like the cheeseburger scene. I did too. That was a really crowning scene for this movie i think though i think it's dumb that like all he needed was to be reminded of his true passion and then he's like i'm still gonna kill myself and 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 then the s'mores what do you think of the s'mores thing i thought that was hilarious Funny. okay yeah it was fine um i have a hard time with the reality that this movie tries to give us which is like everyone's gonna be fine with this like 
So the sous chef commits suicide. Like I could see that being like, oh, it's just stagecraft. It's fine. Maybe, 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 maybe. And then like a dude's finger gets cut off and like no way are people just going to sit through this. Yeah. I think it was kind of at that point they all started realizing that they were kind of hostages. I know, which is like when people would have fought back, probably. Although I do like the nod that like, you think we have better knife skills than them? <laughs> right. Nice. It's true. Um, but okay, let's let's talk spoilers, man. What what else do you want to get into with this movie? Well, I mean, there was a real that first death was like a real jarring shift in this movie that it went from kind of pretentious and darkly funny and, you know, we're just laughing at these caricatures of humans to oh shit, like something. This is not good. This I mean, that one took me by surprise. I was like, "Oh, this movie's kind of a different thing because, like, you could see it in his eye. It was a really powerful, weird, like, power dynamic type scene yeah. between that sous chef and Rafe Fine's character, like, yeah. right before that happened. And then and you start seeing more of this kind of cult-like mentality between yeah. him and his whole kitchen staff, and it just snowballs from there. I mean, I'm I'm kind of more curious about why you didn't like this movie. Well, by the way, um, the actor's name is Adam Alderks, Alderks maybe, um, A A L D E R K S. Because uh, yeah, that kid did a good job in that scene for sure. Because like that's that's the sinister stuff. That's Ray Fiennes being like, like yeah, the whole turn that takes when he's like, you know, this next dish is his idea, but he's not great. He'll never be great. Will you say it? <laughs> like that thing was very like, oh, like yeah, it gets dark. I think though, dude, this movie could have been a lot better had it been marketed as a dark comedy and then flipped that horror switch in the movie mm-hmm. without us knowing. But I was waiting for this movie the whole time to be kind of a horror movie. Like mm. they really emphasize the outdoor chase scene in the trailer. And that mm. that doesn't even matter. Like nothing even happens. Why are they chasing those people? Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of that kind of stuff where, you know, something will be introduced and then it doesn't really matter. Um, mm. But I do like... Okay, I know. I guess I can talk about stuff that I didn't like if that's where you'd like to go. Sure. I don't like, I don't think it has much to say. I don't know. I don't even know what this movie's trying to say. It, definitely that hasn't been said before. Like I, the whole message is that like rich people, rich snobby people don't appreciate people in the service industry, which I already know. No, that's not a surprise. That's no, not a revelation. And the fact that this movie is so um, tonally imbalanced throughout makes it hard for me to even accept that simple premise. Whereas if the movie were more consistent, I think I'd be on board with it, Hmm. but it just jumps around Uh, a little bit too much. Tone. What tones did it jump to? Well, so these different, these different kind of approaches to like dark comedy is really hard to nail. I think Mm -hmm. because you have to be willing to, as, as a, as a movie, you have to be willing to, to expose your audience to these really hard, often truths or, or just difficult um, situations but then also make them funny or fun. And this movie has dark situations and fun situations, but they very rarely overlap. So I I wouldn't say necessarily this is even a dark comedy. I know I said it earlier, but this feels more like a comedy, then a thriller movie, then back to a comedy, and then like a horror movie briefly, and then some commentary. It's just not consistent all the way through. Like the hmm. death scene of that chef is not played as a joke. There's nothing darkly comic about it. It's just a sad thing. It's a sad, depressing, jarring thing. And that's it. And I think the best moments in this movie stand alone, fine, but they don't work 
tonally with the rest of what the movie's trying to do. I don't think. See, I think the the comedy in that scene in particular. Let's let's dissect that a little bit. Sure. For me, the the humor in that came in immediately after it happened. In the fact that you know that you had these the food critics sitting there saying, "Oh, it's theater. It's all part of the show. This is great. This is hilarious." Just like just completely disregarding it and like, you know, chalking it up to the chef's eccentric. And then you had, you know, Holt's character just sitting there still eating, really ignoring everything else that even happened. That's true. That was funny. But I think the movie wants us to not think it's like, it feels like the movie wants us to start getting tense, which is how we felt. It was jarring. Yeah. But I think it, it breeds that tension, but then it also creates humor in the characters in its reactions to said situation. Like it's kind of that, it's not a trope it's like a device in movies where everything is insane on the screen and the viewer is feeling questioning that their own sanity because like is everyone else seeing this why is no one reacting appropriately you know and it's like it's like they were trying to capture that i'm sure there's some great examples that have done that in cinema probably yeah but it definitely felt like that kind of vibe and i didn't get the same um kind of overarching theme as you at all. Yeah, I think, what, what do you like, think this movie's about? Like, what do you think this movie's like, trying to say? Like, my main takeaway, I think, was that the ruining of passion and, like, the letting, doing what you love, but then letting other people ruin it or having other people ruin it for you uh, was kind of the main focus. It seemed like what Ray Fine's character was really, that was the whole context of his, you know, final solution. Agreed. But um, is that the movie's whole thing? It's definitely his. And by the end, that becomes the thing we're thinking about the most. But for mm-hmm. the duration of the movie, is that what it's about? Or is that just where it lands? Uh, you know, it's tough to say if it's like, is that the means or is that the ends? You know, you definitely had some commentary on classism. There was definitely, you know, commentary about, um, you know, the, the corporate corruption. Yeah. And there was a lot of stuff like that. And then you know, a little bit of like marriage fidelity stuff, you know, all these characters in this restaurant had their own kind of parable or like small snippet of story to tell. And those all were kind of like little straws that finally broke the camel's back of the chef. So that's like, to me, it was like, that's why they were all selected. It was because they all kind of just added bricks onto him until he was completely buried. Exactly. They're all rich people that are like being kind of terrible to him, which ties back into like wealthy people being terrible to people in the service industry, which ties in greatly to, to Anya Taylor Joyce character's situation. I love that he calls her out by the way. Um, the chef does. He's like, I can spot a fellow service industry person. And then we're all like, Oh, she's a waitress. And then it's like, no, Mm -hmm. she's a a call girl, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no matter like oh, actually, also Nicholas Holt is great in that scene when he snaps at her, mm-hmm. and that's when I was like, what? Who? Who are these two to each other? Like, what is their deal? Yeah, that's a weird dynamic, and I like that they left that very nebulous for yeah. the majority of the film. Yeah, but I think I think the fact that the two main characters, or at least the characters, no, they're the two main characters, um, Anya Taylor Joy and Ray Fiennes, are both people that have been disenfranchised in the the way they're treated by people they serve this basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there is a, a definite parallel metaphor there with both of them essentially selling themselves. Yes. You know, I think that was a, a choice that was made on purpose. Um, and I, I honestly liked the metaphor and, and a lot of the, the stuff like that actually, it worked for me. It just, it made sense to no, me. No, it, it works for me too. It just doesn't need to be an hour and 40 minute movie. If you ask me. 
I think it's the stuff around all of that main that main theme that it just doesn't need to be there. You see, I didn't. This movie didn't feel long at all to me. Like it, I don't know. No, I it, think didn't, this movie it didn't just, feel long. You're right. It, it it watched okay for me, but but looking back, like I was waiting for some grander revelation that never came. And mm. I was like, oh no, this is kind of where this was supposed to go, and I knew that from pretty early on. Like because these yeah, the side I, characters are so one dimensional. Like there's the the yeah the CEO bros who are clearly terrible. The way they even treat the waitstaff, you're like, yeah, I get, I see where this is going. Mm-hmm. The murder comes out of nowhere, but still, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think a lot of this movie is uh, asking the viewer to keep asking the question: Is this foreshadowed end reality really going to happen, or is there like a sure, way out of it sure. for these people? So, I mean, that's how they breed the suspense. But I think everything around it has to kind of land for that suspense to get ingrained. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of this worked for me and, and it just didn't for you. And I mean, that's yeah, right. makes sense. It's, it's all open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. I think all of the, the side characters there were really meant to display certain things. And even like chef said at the end, how he made this designing experience so elevated and so insanely good and worth savoring every moment of, but only people like you can afford it. Like, right. Like the best in the world. And the just, the people that can go there still just ruin are the it. worst. Like, yeah, yeah, and I think that was kind of the dichotomy of being centered and grounded and merciful over being brought back to cooking a cheeseburger. Yeah, like sometimes the the simplest things and the cheapest things are the ones that the people you serve it to appreciate the totally. most. Yeah, agreed. I don't know. There's there's a lot to say about cooking and food service and just you know, existing and perspectives. There's a lot of kind of highbrow metaphor, but it maybe it wasn't wrapped up in the tidiest of packages, but it was a package that I enjoyed. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And yeah, it just didn't work quite as well for me, but that's not to say that uh, anybody shouldn't see it. Let us know what you think. If you do get a chance to see the menu in the meantime, Johnny, let's move on. Uh, Let's do beer number two. You want to go grab it? Yeah, I got it right here. Let's do it. I got mine too. I'm just going to make an annoying ice sound to get it out of my little thing. Yeah, there we go. Um, I will say too one last thing about this movie put before it back we put in it the to bed. Okay, for go. the day. no, open the beer. It's fine. Uh, it, literally, I was watching this. I'm like, this is so much more a me movie than a Max movie. Why? It just felt. I don't know. I know you. I know mm. how you watch movies. I know like how you look at things critically. I think fairly well over the last however many years we've been doing this. And it, I just, yeah, I caught that vibe. I, I, I can was get offended, like, but you're you're right. So. Fair yeah, enough. it's like you watch movies sometimes, and you're like, "This is totally a Johnny movie." I'm yeah. like, "This is this is a me movie. This is not a Max movie." Yeah, that, I was. That, it's worth no- noting that I really wanted this to be a me movie. Yeah, I was rooting for it. Well, yeah. maybe you watch it again, and I don't know, five years, and you'll get it. Yeah, we'll see. Or, or still be terrible. Yeah, who knows? Um, let's drink. Let's drink some Brain Bypass. It's a Hellas Lager. It's five point two percent. It's again, if you, if you haven't, uh, if you have short term memory loss, or you joined us from the radio after not hearing for a while. This is Brew Built Brewing Co. Grass Valley. Um, don't overthink it. Admiral Malting. What? Okay. Admiral Malting's Floor Malted Pilsner, Feldblum, and Midway Malts are perfectly balanced by Bavarian grown Haller Two Herzbrucker. What a bunch of words in this sentence. <laughs> Patient cold maturation results in a soft, clean, and thoroughly refreshing lager. Okay. Man, they used all the, the consonants in some really weird combinations. I there. know. That's one that I hadn't read, or I didn't write that in the notes. You did, and I hadn't read, read over it first, so I wasn't sure what to expect, and it just kept getting weirder and weirder. Let's pour some beer. Yours are, is yours already poured in your glass? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, tell me what we're working with. 
Well, it's a Hell's Lager. It is approximately 5.2% ABV. Uh, again, it's from Brewbilt. And that, you read the description. So we're working with very clear, light, golden, very lagery looking lager. Well, that's easy enough. Okay. Um, Hellas lagers are fun. We've talked about them a lot in the past. I want to say we even went into depth about kind of the history of a Hellas lager at one point. And had I thought about this in advance, I would have um, been able to name drop that episode. But I didn't. So here we go. Let's just talk about our enjoyment of what's in our glass, shall we? That's it, man. You know, what you're looking for in a Hell's Lager, you want that like kind of bready, a little herbally, a little honey, uh, smooth, like they said, soft, um, with a kind of a subtle dry bitterness on the finish. Sure. Can we agree once and for all if we're going to say Hellas or Hells? I like Hells. Let's, let me rephrase. Should, should we pronounce it correctly or the way you want to say it? <laughs> we should say Hellas. Okay, let's say Hellas. <laughs> all right. Because that's Hellas cool. Hellas, yeah, bro. Um, okay, I, mine's now in my glass. I'm going to taste it. Um, what do you think? Oh, that's nice. That is crisp. That is clean. There's no real off notes with that. That is very straightforward, but so is the style. It's doing everything it's supposed to do. It's not overly sweet. It's not overly bready. That's incredible. That's a good beer. It's so good. Uh, that's re- that's. I've only had one drink. I shouldn't get too crazy yet, but oh uh, no, get that's, crazy. That's it's nice. Well, it's very good right off the top. There's yeah, there's nothing there's nothing jumping out as overpowering or unbalanced or certainly wrong. Um, this is great. I'm gonna take another drink. No, this is it's so clean and it leaves your mouth watering, makes you want to drink more. Holy shit, this is a good lager. It's very good. Hey, how much how much were these beers, by the way? Four bucks, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good price, man. Um, the lager was three ninety nine. IPA was four ninety nine. Okay, um, this is better. This is better than the IPA. I think it's really good. Um, there's there's a nice crackery breadiness that I'm enjoying quite a bit. It's not it's not too sweet either. Sometimes you get a lot of sweet malts, and the ones that we listed, um, I was kind of expecting it to be very malt heavy. Um, mm-hmm. But this is really light, very bready, um, super pillowy too. It's there's a great. It's a perfect amount of carbonation. Yeah, it's and the bubbles are nice and soft. Like it's, it's almost like spicy, but it's yeah. not spicy yep. carbonation. Oh, you mean the, the carbonation or the flavor? The carbonation. Sure. Yeah. Like you know how I, I call it too the spicy. No, I know what you mean. Like, I call them spicy waters. I got you. Oh yeah. No, this is just the right amount of spice in the carbonation, and there's like just that tiny little hint of like black pepperiness on the finish, but it's not. Man, this beer is like not too much of anything and just enough of everything. There's there's a great quote from um, Matt Westfall, who's the founder and head brewer at Counterweight, um, and he says that the beauty of a Hellas lager is in its simplicity. It illustrates the delicate over the loud and imprecise and needs its ingredients to work in unison. Its simplicity leaves no place for off flavors or imbalance. There's more. But that is the gist. Like, it's it's from start to finish just even. There's nothing that jumps out. This is great. It is, and I think that's what that's like what people mean when they use the shorthand "clean." Like it's clean, sure. Mm-hmm. But what is that? And I think what that means is that it's balanced from start to finish. There's no sharp edges or deep valleys or anything. It's just 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 riding, riding on a just riding on a smooth road. Thought I could come yeah, up with man. a better expression. No sharp edges of like bitterness or tang. No weirdness. No. And there's also no like soft hills of too sweet. Like we're not dealing 
we're not trekking through the bread and biscuit mountains, man. We're just <laughs> we're just on the the Hellas Creek. It's this great. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Uh is a really really good beer. I'm so happy. I'm super impressed. I'm very impressed by Brewbilt Brewing. Uh I this is one of the more pleasant uh and two highly rated highest rated initial beers uh-huh. I think out of any brewery we've had yep. in a while. Yep. Uh, any negatives for you on this beer at all? Is there anything? I got to take one more drink trying to be critical, but um, do you have anything that you are definitely like, nope, not great? I mean, honestly, no. Like this style, there's literally nothing to hide behind. I mean, and the recipe that they use, the way this is put together, I think it's it's really, really good. I can't find much that I dislike. Yeah, I mean, me neither. It's really good. Well, it looks like we're heading to the same place then, dude. This is a 10. It's a 10. What a great beer. This is this is one of the best lagers I've had this year. This is something that I will be buying again regularly. I see myself getting thirsty for this. Yeah. Uh, they, and, they knocked it out of the park. Four bucks? Come on. That's crazy. How many breweries have we done for the first time? Didn't even know they were, where they were manufactured. And they slap us over the head with a 10. This is... This is shocking stuff. Man. We're going to know the we we will know the answer to that cuz you and I are going to sit down and do this damn spreadsheet with our beers. And then we can answer Someday. that question. Someday. Someday. But I think by the end of the year we're going to be able to rank our top 10 beers of the year. We're going to have that ready. That'll be easy. By god. Yeah, it will be easy. We just got to do it. Yeah. And then we can replay our favorite clips and buy those beers again and give it to people on Patreon. That'd, That'd be a be fun cool. event. Our top 10 beers or we get our our least favorite beers of the year, and I don't know. See, now that'd be funnier. Surprise somebody in Patreon, like drop it on the doorstep. Like, Here you go. Yeah, we'll just drop them all off in brown paper bags. They won't know if they'll get a top top ten yeah. or bottom ten until they open it. Totally. That'd be great. Uh, but, this yeah. beer is is tremendous, hands down. One of the best lagers I've had this year. It's up incredible. there with up there with any lager I've had in the last couple years. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Like th- this is up. This is like this is Ennegrin good. And Ennegrin yeah. makes my favorite lagers. Good name drop right there. That's true. They make outstanding beers. This is Ennegrin clean. Uh, yeah, it's been Ennegrin clean certified. All right. Well, you got anything else on Brain Bypass? Holy shit, Brewbilt. Thanks for making beer. Yeah. I'm really stoked that it exists and I can buy it. Uh, at Spikes, like we said, here in Chico. Um, or yeah. I bet you it's at SNS and other things. Um, by I the way, seen, I haven't seen it anywhere else, but it doesn't oh, matter. Really? Um, this one was canned, by the way, uh, on September. September twelfth. Um, yeah. So not not even super fresh, but I mean, well within drinkability. But I, I, you know, it tastes brand new. Yeah. Well, the lifespan on this style is probably at least a double little, a little an, an IPA. Longer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. All right, dude. You ready for Hot and Bothered? Let's do it. Hot and Welcome to Hot and Bothered, the segment of the show. Where we talk about what's got us hot and or bothered, Johnny. Yo. I finished Ragnarok. I can't remember what that is. Is that the God of War game? Yeah. Okay, great. Give me give me your brief thoughts on it. Was it great? It was everything that the first one was and so much more. It was more immersive of a world. The storyline was even deeper without being too complex to, to be able to follow. More worlds to explore, more friends, more enemies. Uh, overall, just by far way better than the first one and probably top five games ever. This is like up there with Skyrim for me. Oh, nice. You love Skyrim. I love Skyrim, but Great. man, it was so good. If you have a PlayStation, you should play it and then talk to me about it. 
Well, great. Okay. I, I don't, as you know, but it sounds like it's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, it is. All right. What else you got, man? Um, didn't do a whole lot since we last recorded. Work's been kind of busy dealing with getting ready for Thanksgiving this coming week. Uh, but I was able to get out of the house and go to a fun event. We actually uh, went to the Stobel coffee roastery and coffee shop Mm -hmm. they did a private ticketed event for the launch of their winter blend of coffee uh, called snowbird Uh and they they put on a brunch they had the coffee brewed three ways which was i totally geeked out on you would have too they had drip coffee pour over and they were pulling shots off of a single station like portable espresso unit uh, and they had little candies and fruits that went with the coffee to accentuate tasting notes. Really well done uh, palette-wise. I mean, it was – I'm glad I went to that before I watched the menu because I would have been like, this yep. is a little too thought out, yep. guys. <laughs> All right, good. Did out. you get any to take home? I did. Uh, with your ticket, you got a little four-ounce bag sample per person, oh, okay. so we each got one. So, yeah, it's a really, really nice coffee. Did you already make it? Uh, I sent them with Shalina to work because we do not need more coffee samples at work, but I can see if there's one floating around because I bet you'd like to try it. Yeah, I'd love to try it. I mean, I could, when are they releasing it to the public? Uh, after that day. So oh, okay, it's, great. It's so I'll, I'll just go get some. Cool. You should. I enjoyed it. It was much better as a pour over than drip. I I wouldn't have even served it as drip if it were me. I mean, once, just, yeah, I mean, there's no comparison. I think that's true with like just about every coffee. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe some people needed to learn that. If that was a learning moment for someone that, like, you should definitely get a pour-over and not just use a drip coffee maker all yeah. the time. It yeah. makes things taste way better. Way better. Then, then they accomplish something. Did they serve it with, like, cream? Did they offer that? They offered it, uh-huh. but it was not encouraged. Right. And so I did someone just, like, staring fair, at you? Like, right? I didn't see anyone use cream or sugar. All right, good. So that was cool. But yeah, that was all I got, man. Just work's been busy. Was looking forward to this. Enjoyed the movie. Enjoyed the beers. Uh, stoked to have four days off for Thanksgiving. That's it, man. What's up with you? We got one. We have one podcast um, announcement slash um, you don't congratulate somebody for a birthday. What do you do? What do you do? You you just acknowledge it. Acknowledge? We have a birthday acknowledgement, um, which is our patron, Susan Belsky. It's, uh, by the time this episode comes out, um, it will have been two days ago on the 23rd. So happy freaking birthday, Belsky. Um, Happy birthday, Susan! Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we we're talking about well several events coming up, um, and I guess I won't say any more now. But I'm um, looking forward to drinking some beers with you. I see Belsky quite a bit. She's a big supporter of my music. She's always, I I, I bet at least at least once every two weeks I'll see her, if not more frequently. So I appreciate the support both in my music life and the podcast life, Belsky. Thank you so so much. Somebody's got to go to Max's shows. God knows I'm not going to do it. Yeah, man, you missed my other thing, which was my 90s night at the Commons, which was super, super fun. Myself, Rob Bogardo on drums, Ethan Sweat on bass. We played all 90s songs for about two hours. It was super, super fun. Um, And that was last Friday. And then the last thing I want to shout out is my friend Lorna Such, who played at the El Rey and Chico opening up for a couple bands. Um, She was playing with, I want to say, one, two, three, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, no, I mean in her band. I don't care about the other bands at all in the context of what I'm saying here. I think Fair it was like enough. eight or nine people in her band and they just crushed it. Um, a couple weeks Damn, ago. Like, is she the new singer for Slipknot? What's going on up there? What's going on? I said, is she the new singer for Slipknot? I don't know. Going understand. out there with nine oh, Lorna. people. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> anyways, it was a great show. She played, I want to say like 45 minutes and just rocked the house. So shout out to Lorna also. And that's what I got this week, man. That's awesome. Was it great to just go to a show as a civilian and enjoy? Yeah, it was lovely. It was just, yeah, yeah, just going and listening. 
It's terrific. Do you do that often? Never. I almost, well, because I had Saturday off, which almost never happens. Yeah. So that was super fun. I love it. You you were on a little streak there for a while of like, if you didn't have gigs, you were just jumping all over. I remember one time on your Instagram stories, you went to like four local concerts in one night. You know, a little biased, but I try to go and support people. You know, go show up. Yeah. Exactly. Pays to be your friend. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Thanks to everybody on Patreon, including one more time, Susan Belsky. Happy freaking birthday. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to, check out the Handlebars Happy Hour, 2 to 6 p.m. every damn day of the week. And my name is Max Minardi. My name's Johnny Summers. Be sure to go get some Brew Built Brewing and sure. take it to your family gathering or drink it by yourself if that's what you're doing on Thanksgiving. Sure. All of those are valid. Anyways, enjoy some of this beer. Uh, watch the movie if if you think you'll like it. But most importantly, just be good to each other. Be thankful. Uh, tell somebody that you enjoy their existence this week. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.